Welcome to the panel discussion, Edge Computing, real-time insights that deliver real results, sponsored by Dell Technologies. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Kristen Bilhart, the Global Marketing Director for Edge Solutions Group at Dell Technologies, Zach Goldstein, the Chief Information Officer and the Director of High Performance Computing and Communications at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, Mac Townsend, the Technical Director for Architecture and Engineering in the CIO's office in the Defense Intelligence Agency, and Lieutenant General Bruce Crawford, the Chief Information Officer, G6 for the U.S. Army. Welcome to the discussion. Let me set a little context for our conversation today. The future of computing is at the edge. That is becoming clearer every day. Whether it's soldiers in remote locations requiring data to make mission critical decisions, or sensors on the border or in the ocean, agencies are finding their networks extend almost indefinitely. IDC Government Insights says agencies collect more data than any other sector, and most of that data is now collected at the edge. IDC Government says agencies can leverage edge computing and artificial intelligence to make real-time decisions related to what that data shows. No surprise that IDC Government also predicts edge computing along with AI to be a high growth area for the next few years, especially with the expected implementation of 5G capabilities. To get that data, to soldiers or employees in the field, agencies need a modern, flexible platform that mixes infrastructure and software to let them move workloads from the cloud to the data center to the edge with little trouble. Of course, edge computing comes with all those typical challenges of on-premise or even traditional cloud computing like security, latency, and legacy technologies that can't run in the cloud or in order to reach the edge. I think the end goal here, as DOD stated in its 2018 cloud computing strategy is clear. Agencies must embrace computing solutions that enable warfighters or really any employee in their environment versus forcing them to conform to a current environment of siloed data and legacy applications. So with that context in place, let's turn to our panelists. Let me start with uh, Lieutenant General Crawford. Edge computing, this is all about the warfighter. This is something that obviously the DOD, the military, the army has been really focusing on for several, year, several years. How do you define edge computing at, within the, uh, the army? First of all, Jason, thank, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I think probably, uh, so the way we defined the edge computing, I'd say 90 days ago, uh, informed by the environment that we've been operating in recently, I, I think it's gonna fundamentally change. Uh, I think the, the term edge uh, is gonna be the key component of that because uh, you could make the argument uh, that the edge uh, is a relative term. The edge uh, is in the eyes of the beholder. And so uh, I guess my fundamental thesis and the thing that I'd like to anchor a lot of this conversation to is we are literally, as we look at the Army, you know, 1.4 million or so users, and that's soldiers and about 250,000 uh, civilians. I think the fundamental premise here in my thesis is the edge is now wherever the user actually happens to be. Uh, your office, uh, your tactical operations center, et cetera, is wherever you happen uh, to be. And, and, and so uh, moving forward, uh, when we think about this particular problem set and the definition of it, uh, it's, it's almost in the eyes of the beholder and it's gonna be informed by what we've been doing uh, over the last 90 days. Uh, and I think uh, from a, if I identify kind of another salient point associated with the where the edge is, is, and I know we'll get into a discussion about uh, cybersecurity concerns, et cetera, uh, but the dramatic expansion uh, almost overnight of the attack surface that we're going to have to defend that's associated with the edge is going to be uh, a key task uh, for all of us. So that's how I define uh, edge computing. It literally is wherever the user happens to be. Uh, and being able to access from any device, being able to access any data, be it from your personal device or from government furnished devices in any environment. I want to do one quick follow up because I think it's very interesting that you are kind of re-looking at what the edge means to the army, to the military more generally, just based on what we've dealt with with the uh, coronavirus pandemic. What, what made you kind of re-look at the edge? Because in many ways, you as an example worked in your office in, in, at the Pentagon, but you also potentially worked at a base in, in you know, California or in, in Texas. So that was the edge then. And today you're just happened to be work in your home or you may be working at the Pentagon or at that base in Texas. 
Yeah, I, I think what uh, what drove my thinking. So I, I think you're aware that the DOD CIO actually stood up a, a COVID task force very, very early on and hats off to Dana DC for, for pulling that team together. And that team didn't consist of just the CIOs. So it also included NSA, it also included Cybercom and all the service uh, cyber components as a part of that. And the, uh, the aha moment for us was almost overnight uh, when we went uh, from probably about 1% teleworking, and I'll just use the Pentagon as an example, to about 90% teleworking. And so what drove my thinking is, back to the cyber expanded cyber attack surface uh, discussion, is we went from having to defend and provide capability inside the traditional perimeter to having to defend and provide capability to the living room. Uh, and so uh, as we look forward, rather than look backward, and I think Gartner got it right, okay, in terms of how they define edge computing. My, but my premise, again, back to the thesis, is that um, there, when we talk about new normal uh, and things that will endure, it's this big idea that we're literally going to have to shift our thinking and think about the flexibility that we've got to put into our networks to defend and provide capability everywhere. Otherwise, we're going to sub-optimize on an old idea. Zach, let me bring you into the discussion here because similar to General Crawford, NOAA is not the type of agency that does a lot of work maybe internally. You guys are at the edge quite often. How have you guys started to define edge computing and is it different over the last 90 days? It, it is different over the last 90 days uh, for the same reasons that uh, the general <clears throat> excuse me, described. Uh, we, we have a lot of our workforce now working remotely. And uh, as with any CIO, and you heard it in spades uh, from the general, the uh, first job of a CIO is to protect the mission while enabling and advancing the mission. And when we disperse our folks to places where they weren't used to working, uh, immediately you're concerned, do they have the bandwidth to get the job done? Do, they have, do we have the means to protect the ability to protect America? with the systems that we operate for forecasting and, and disaster uh, prediction. Uh, the good news is that we, uh, for lots of reasons, in terms of our move to the cloud, in terms of our planning uh, for the possibility of pandemic response, we had the uh, bandwidth for VPNs. We have uh, the, Google, the Google suite of applications uh, that people can access from anywhere. And so from a bandwidth perspective, we were pretty well situated. Uh, we also um, had the ability to extend our boundary because telework is, is a very common thing in NOAA. The issue was the scale. So that's changed things. Um, there were some uh, issues where people had to access uh, and administer systems, and we didn't have enough government-managed equipment to do that, so we're rectifying that as quickly as possible. But I would like to expand on uh, what the definition is. I, I agree, I, I really like the way, uh, the way General Crawford described it as wherever the user is. Um, and that's a, it's a great starting point uh, for us. We have our internal users, about 25,000 scientists, engineers, pilots, navigators, uh, meteorologists, uh, collaborators in, inside uh, with NOAA credentials. But we also have the American people. Uh, NOAA touches everybody in this country every day. When you look at our space weather mission and our tsunami mission, it's actually a worldwide mission. And getting information to them uh, in a secure manner uh, quickly so that it's a forecast and not what it could have been cast is crucial and the edge has a lot to do with it and securing that edge such that the, the public information goes out unfettered, but bad guys can't come back inside and prevent us from issuing that information in the first place is, is a big challenge at the edge. And the other thing I would like to add, though, is everything in NOAA starts with an observation. We have many value chains, but they all start with an observation and end with actionable information. And that observation at the edge is massive. So we have satellites that, uh, that either geostationary or polar orbiting or in uh, solar synchronous or 
orbit to for space weather. And uh, we were, were bringing down uh, terabytes of data that we have to process and move and in, and in minutes turn an observation through multiple information systems into a forecast, which then has an edge itself. So, um, so to us, that's, that's what, what the edge definition is. It's the observation all the way then out to, uh, to the users who are, who are doing things to the data, and then ultimately to the American people in the world on the, the other end of our value chain. Um, it sounds daunting, but it's really exciting. <laughs> There's some really exciting things that we're doing that I, I, I'd love to get into as this discussion progresses. But, uh, but uh, in your introduction, you talked about uh, AI. Uh, we're, we're using that to see how we can make more efficient use of bandwidth on our satellite observations. Uh, we're using the cloud at the edge, which is not a contradiction, uh, to both handle the massive demands we get when we have a hurricane approaching the coast of the United States and all of a sudden we're dealing with over a billion hits in 24 hours. We're using cloud to, to buffer that uh, at the edge so we can keep our mission going. And we're using the cloud for the innovative uh, uh, citizen science initiatives we have to engage the best minds in the world to improve the models that we use uh, to forecast the weather and that is uh, th that is an initiative that, that sits at the edge. Zach, a lot there to dig out of, but we're going to jump over to Mac Townsend from DIA for a minute and talk a little bit about, for DIA, the edge also is very similar to what probably Lieutenant General Crawford said, but it also probably means a little different for you since you guys are in the intelligence world. Mac, jump in here and talk a little bit about how you guys define edge at DIA. Will do, Jason. Hey, thanks very much for inviting us to, to participate in this uh, austere um, forum. Really appreciate the, the opportunity, first of all. Secondarily, I, th I think that uh, General Crawford got into a lot of different things. The, the new normal is really the key as to what he's talking about with, this, with the COVID environment. Um, we are in a similar situation where our forces went almost 70% overnight um, out into the unclassified environment, which is a different environment for us most of the time. We, we deal in classified and unclassified environments, and we have a worldwide presence that's associated with, you know, at the highest levels of classification, about 250,000 users down to some of the lowest levels, which are the millions that, uh, that Bruce was talking about as, as, as he was going forward. You know, Bruce was, was talking about how access was important at the distant end, and it, it is, it's, it's critical. I think that uh, one of the things that we're looking at is not just that access, not just getting the capability down to the users at the distant end, our warfighters and, and uh, other, other uh, humanitarian aid and, and conflict uh, mitigators, but it's also about the sensors. And to that end, I think that, you know, Zach, the last point that Zach brought up was sort of, you know, cloud at the edge for us, cloud in a box basically something where we can take a, a cloud in a box and, and put it out at the edge to help produce the type of intelligence and the information that we need to bring back. I think that the, the key there is, is that, you know, um, both Bruce and Zach brought up the fact that um, there's a lot of data coming across and the ability for us to make that, that those observations, that information actionable as we're going forward is, is really the key component of what we're talking about. So edge is really about how we can triage that huge barrage of data that's coming in and, and funnel it down into the components that we need to, to be able to do our missions as we're going forward and to understand the landscape of, of what's in the environment. And so that's where, you know, that's the, again, the tie-in that Zach mentioned with AI helps us do that. One of the things that we're looking at is how do you take this vast barrage of Internet of Things, of Army devices and sensors that are out there, of the NOAA weather kinds of capabilities, and how do you bring all that stuff together as we're going forward? Probably the best way that we're, we're looking at that is uh, approaching this from a, a thin data model. We want to know what something is, where it is, and when it is, so that then we can sort of drive down to a a generalized view, a global view across all these various data sources. So I think that that's, 
the most important um, pieces we're going forward from the um, from the edge data perspective. Um, we we have um, several different environments at the edge. We can't always afford to have uh, a, a monstrous cloud at different places. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about very briefly is, is that we have what's called a hybrid environment. And that's where we have, you know, bare metal, we have virtual metal, we have cloud metal, things of this nature. And we have to make sure that the services that we provide can run on each of these different hardware platforms as we're going forward. And we're not just talking about a single cloud vendor. We look at all the cloud vendors out there. Obviously, Amazon and Azure are heavy in our environment today. We leverage other capabilities from cloud in the box. We leverage various different componentry from people like Dell and others that Kirsten, I imagine, will get into. But these are the types of things that we need to make sure that all our applications, all of our capabilities can run seamlessly on these things as we as we migrate out to the edge and that we can associate that data. So I think that that's really where, where we're coming from in our environment. Does that help, Jason? Do you have any other questions? It does, I do, but I'm gonna bring in Kirsten instead and, and have her kind of comment on what we've heard from uh, yeah. the three of you so far, because I think the, the, redefin the redefining edge, I think is, is important. And I'd like for Kirsten to start there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a pleasure to be here with all of you. Um, there's a very common theme that ran through what everyone said, the Lieutenant uh, General and Zach and Mac, which is the growing importance of having actionable intelligence um, for those frontline teams, wherever they may be, whether it is in a military environment or being able to have good weather information to prepare a community, um, really any kind of federal agency that's looking to do their work, having that near real-time actionable intelligence to give them a clear view of the ground truth of what the reality is to be able to make good, strong decisions. And that, you know, quote unquote edge looks a little bit different depending on what environment there is. So that's that relevancy um, argument that they came up in the very beginning uh, from Lieutenant General Crawford. Um, from a technology perspective at Dell Technologies, we see edge is bringing compute and all the other capabilities as close to the real time environment as possible. And it's giving you the capability to uh, rapidly analyze those data streams of information flowing through and converting that into actionable intelligence. So, you know, from technical terms, it's reducing latency. It's reducing time lost because data has to, you know, take a round trip to a cloud and back or to a data center and back. Often that time you just don't have that time to lose. Like you want near instantaneous analysis of that fresh relevant data in those milliseconds that it's most relevant so that you can have the predictions and the analysis to those frontline teams so that they can make the right high quality, quick decisions that can lead to a more safe environment, a more efficient environment um, and, and help progress the mission. All right, there's a lot to dig out of there as well, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, that's what we're going to do. You're listening to the discussion Edge Computing, real-time insights that deliver real results, sponsored by Dell Technologies on Federal News Network. Today, agencies enhance their mission using data created and stored by a class of devices and sensors on the edge of their networks. The edge exists wherever the digital and physical worlds intersect. Here, data is securely generated and processed to create real-time value. With edge computing, Dell Technologies is enabling agencies to transform while driving cost savings, speed to value, and reliability. Edge computing is delivering real-time actions that protect our world. Visit DellTechnologies.com slash edge. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Edge Computing, real-time insights that deliver real results, sponsored by Dell Technologies on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Kristen Bilhart, the Global Marketing Director for the Edge Solutions Group at Dell Technologies, Zach Goldstein, the Chief Information Officer and the Director of High Performance Computing and Communications at NOAA, Mac Townsend, the Technical Director for Architecture and Engineering in the CIO's office in the Defense Intelligence Agency, and Lieutenant General Bruce Crawford, the CIO G6 for the U.S. Army. 
Before break, we were understanding the edge and really this new definition of what edge computing is, is becoming with this whole coronavirus. One of the big issues that I think came up during this discussion is the network itself. And I want to start there with Mac from DIA. One of the things about extending the network, modernizing the network, but it's also this network modernization piece is the broader piece of IT modernization. Mac, start with how you guys are dealing with that network piece, because if the network doesn't work, it doesn't matter what you do at the edge. Right, Jason, that's a really good point. And obviously, um, with the the sensors, you know, uh, like Zach brought up about um, the, the weather capabilities, I mean, we, we're getting weather reports for six mile radiuses in every 15 minutes, for example, out of NOAA. And um, we're getting information from uh, Army sensors from from Bruce that are that are happening overnight almost. And so, What's happening is we have this vast amount of data that's coming in on these, these sensors and we need to sort of bring it down to something that, that we can utilize. Now, we are modernizing our networks as, as, as much as we can. We're putting, we're putting a huge emphasis on the um, classified networks and, and trying to bring those up to 100 um, gigabyte kinds of capabilities and things of that nature. But we understand that we're not ever going to be able to match the amount of data that's coming out of the Internet of Things or the various different types of sensors that are coming as we go forward. And so I think that a lot of the modernization that we're looking at is not just about upgrading hardware on, a, on network devices and things of that nature, but also figuring out the strategies of how we can triage data at the source and, and move things back towards uh, a more centralized cloud environment, generally speaking. And to do that, we're looking at a lot of these edge devices and things of that nature. So Kirsten, maybe you can go into a little bit about, you know, what we're doing with some of the devices, because things like the Dale rail systems and, and things of that nature are some of the componentry that we're using for this. Thank you, Mac. And we certainly appreciate the relationships that we have uh, throughout the federal government. Um, Mac, you raised a really important point is that the quantity of data is only going up. Um, as we know, it's growing exponentially. Jason, you started out quoting some IDC, and uh, we certainly like to quote them as well. Um, IDC predicts that by 2025, we're going to have 175 trillion gigabytes of data in the world, and that's compared to just 33 trillion gigabytes back in 2018. So, you know, as you expand and modernize those networks, uh, it's going to be really challenging to keep up from that ever-increasing amount of data coming in. Um, and, and, and so what that means, I think that's a big reason why we're all more and more interested in edge computing. It's that capacity to leverage the edge and run some analysis right there to ingest, to filter, to compress, um, to bring out the, the, the most important bits of information and only send a smaller, smarter data stream over the wider network to a data center or a cloud environment. So kind of thinking, you know, we're talking about the weather with NOAA, you know, we don't really need to know every two seconds, it's raining, it's raining, it's raining, it's raining. What you do need to know is that at, at time XYZ, it started raining, it was raining this hard, um, and then it stopped at this amount of time, there's missed this amount of water, just like a, a summary of information that is truly, truly valuable. And so you can reduce that amount of data at the edge, pulling out those key bits that are helpful in a data center or cloud environment to run deeper, more predictive analysis and to become smarter as a weather or organization to predict where where the next storm may be coming from. So again, it's it's just using, taking advantage of all the goodness that comes with that data, but not letting it overwhelm you. And that edge is a huge enabler to reduce that data and make it manageable over your networking capabilities and in your other computing centers. If, if you don't mind, I just wanted to kind of tug on that string because it's almost like uh, all roads lead to a discussion about data. And then there's the discussion about making hard decisions on the front end uh, about how we're actually architecting our, our, our networks to account for that data. So I'd like to kind of pull, pull a, a, the string on, on both of those. Uh, uh, where the Army is right now is uh, 
we're going to spend about $733 million uh, in the next 24 months on our journey to the cloud, which includes a massive, uh, you could probably argue, one of the world's most uh, largest migrations of data, just given the Army is the third largest organization of any, any kind in the world. But when you tie those two points together, the discussion about data and the discussion about architects, there, there's a couple of questions, strategic questions, that you've got to ask yourself up front. And I think it comes down to this. So what data, uh, to Kirsten's, uh, Kirsten's point, uh, must be processed independent uh, of the enterprise? And there are a couple of good examples out there. So if you look at the Tesla, all right, it's always communicating uh, back to Mecca, uh, very, very likely. But uh, because uh, you're driving a car and sometimes it's driving you, uh, there are some decisions that have got to be made uh, rapidly based on the compute uh, power uh, on the actual platform. If you're driving down the road and you've got to stop, uh, that car, that vehicle has got to make some instantaneous decisions. It didn't have time, to Kirsten's point, to go back to Mecca to ask, uh, should I stop? Uh, another good example is Waze. Uh, so there's some uh, uh, data that's required uh, on the platform. Uh, you don't need to know every left or turn. You don't need to know where every every uh, every uh, you know, policeman is or or every every uh, traffic cam is uh, on the road. There are some things that remain uh, on the platform that are unique to that particular platform. That, uh, that you need kind of almost in, in real time. And so my, my fundamental point here, as we are architecting, pull those through threads, as we are architecting the network to provide the flexibility that I talked about before, there are some front end decisions that have to be made uh, that have to do with uh, what decisions by the user are gonna have to be made uh, and uh, what data is gonna be required on that actual platform that's independent of the reach back to Mecca. And that occurs uh, as we start to talk about what we, and I'm using air quotes here for those who can't see me, the tactical edge, that becomes increasingly important uh, given the dynamic nature of the battlefield. I just thought I'd offer that to kind of pull the network modernization uh, thread uh, into back to, again, all roads lead to a discussion of data uh, into the data discussion. If that makes any sense, over. It does. And I think I uh, just want to bring Zach into the discussion because as you guys are not just looking at the network, you also have to look at the applications because I think as, as Lieutenant, Lieutenant General Crawford made the really great point of certain decisions have to be made at that application level. So that takes a modernization of the applications. That's part of that IT modernization discussion. Zach, jump in here and talk a little bit about NOAA's perspective and how you guys are, are balancing the network the, and the broader IT modernization goals. So the Edge places a lot of stress on networks, and that's what we're talking about. Um, the AI project I alluded to earlier in this conversation is designed to help us um, not only conserve bandwidth when you're loading um, terabytes of data down from a satellite, and you only need the most important information for model, and, and also uh, you don't want to take the time for human quality assurance of that data, which is something else we do. So we have a, uh, we call it an incubator project um, funded out of our high performance computing program to look at how we can better, how we can use AI at the edge to, or right behind the edge, I guess, to uh, not only save human interaction and uh, save bandwidth, but also to improve the forecast by making sure that the data that arrives first is the data that's most valuable in terms of the accuracy of the, of the forecast. Uh, a lot of the data ends up being archived that may not be immediately of use. And the ability to automatically discern uh, without having to have human intervention uh, not only saves bandwidth, but it improves the forecast itself. Uh, other places where we have networking issues, um, and, and despite the fact that we have a hundred gigabit per second national backbone to move these masses of data around among our supercomputers from our satellites and so on, uh, the edge itself still presents unique challenges. Uh, sort of a reverse argument that shows how far we've come was uh, a number of years ago, I, I was visiting the NOAA ship Thomas Jefferson and uh, the captain of the ship 
proudly displayed to me his his floating data center. And the floating data center was the purpose of processing uh, bathymetric, bathymetric readings so uh, that we could, on the fly, make changes to, to nautical charts. But the main reason why the data center had to be floating was because there was such poor bandwidth connectivity from the ship to shore. Uh, now that we're improving that with VSAT and other uh, technologies, we're able actually to move the processing away from the edge so that, uh, it could, so that we can use more sophisticated tools and more rapidly update the nautical charts, which we then distribute to the world. Uh, I expect with the advancing of technology further, we'll be achieving a different balance and uh, be able to, for example, do the processing immediately, which I think we still do, but maybe faster, so that when we're uh, surveying a channel subsequent to a hurricane, one of the things we did with Sandy uh, obviously, we forecasted the path of Sandy, and polar orbiting satellites were critical for that. Um, but after Sandy uh, did its its business uh, in the New York metropolitan area, the uh, port was immediately closed. The Coast Guard couldn't open up the port until NOAA, and specifically the Thomas Jefferson, had resurveyed the the port of New York, uh, and uh, there was Coast Guard cutter behind the Thomas Jefferson dropping new channel markers because hurricanes change change channels. So the edge computing at that point is providing the immediate location of where that channel marker goes to the Coast Guard cutter that's in the back of the TJ. So things have changed. Um, other things that are challenging us, though, at the edge. We have uh, deployed meteorologists. Uh, this is similar to uh, the, 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 the sword line of battle that the, the Army has to deal with. Um, except it's a forest fire. And there's meteorologists uh, right at the front lines telling the, uh, uh, the incident commander uh, which way the wind is blowing, uh, critical for smoke trumpers, what's the microclimate that the fire itself is generating, what's happening around it. And that meteorologist has uh, in his hands uh, a terminal for our AWIP system, which is exactly the same system that we use in our hundreds of weather forecasting offices around the country. The challenge is he's got the compute, but how much bandwidth do they have there? And can we use RF? Can we use cellular? It, it's a challenge. Um, they need the compute at the edge, though, because if they get cut off, and this is similar to a deployed military, you always have to deal with the possibility of the operate alone. Uh, they need that computing power. So that's a Another use case where the network is a challenge. And let me, uh, let me just jump in. Go ahead. Sure. Zach, let me jump in real quick because um, one of the yeah. things that you brought up was this AI project. And I'd love to get Kirsten involved because this part, that, that concept of that AI project, which I think is fascinating, is part of this broader discussion about, I think, IT modernization and this idea of it's not just the network, which is important in and above itself, but it's the applications that are running on networks. So, Kirsten, jump in here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, AI systems and machine learning systems, they, they, they run on data. Data is their fuel. And so being able to have a path to the edge so that they're ingesting the most timely, relevant, up-to-date um, data as possible is going to keep um, the insights coming out of your AI and machine learning systems fresh and relevant. So what it shows is this, is that the whole fabric of technology is a continuum. Um, the cloud, we're talking about the edge, but you know, clouds are absolutely here to stay. They're a fundamental part of, um, of your, your technology architecture. And it's not just one cloud, right? Most organizations are using a multi-cloud strategy for a number of reasons. And you have multiple data centers, and then you can have you know, thousands, if not millions of edges. So being able to think of that as a fabric, a technology architecture, so that you can move data and then analyze those workloads where it matters, while it matters, using that right level of compute needed for the job is, is I think, what more, most organizations are striving for. And so having that consistent fabric and thinking about the orchestration and the security and the manageability and virtualization and all these underlying enablers is going to give you that capability, right, to run the right data at the right place 
place at the right time to feed these amazing new capabilities we have with AI and ML with fresh fuel, fresh data to keep your front lines informed with the most um, highest quality information possible. And General Crawford, if I can, you and I, Jason. go ahead, Mac, jump in. Just, just real quick on that one and then hand off to Bruce and back to Zach again. Um, I think that the, the biggest thing that we're talking about here when we're dealing with this hybrid cloud environment and, and trying to, to, to knit all this data together as we're going forward is the mechanisms by which we run distributed analytics. Right now, um, in most environments, you have to have all your data in one big spot or one big virtual area to run an analytic, to run a, a query against that information to try and derive value from all these different uh, disparate data sources. And I, I think that um, it's gonna be important as we go forward in the future to think more and more about how we can run distributed analytics and then combine the, the, the information from the various different distributed analytic components back into something that can, can provide a holistic answer as we're going forward. And General Crawford, let me bring you in because one of the things you had mentioned to me probably about a year or so ago is, is an app rationalization effort. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, it's something like five or 8,000 apps you guys had and you want to get it down to a better number. Um, and I think that's, that's part of this discussion. The right app at the right time, modernized on the cloud, at the edge. Where are you guys with that effort and, and, and how's that kind of fit into that broader IT modernization? Yeah, we, this was uh, probably a little over a year ago as we were, uh, I won't say we were starting our cloud journey, but then our undersecretary, who is now our secretary of the Army, uh, had started to pull the team in for a more comprehensive discussion about. So, so what does our cloud uh, future uh, deliverables look like? And what's the relationship of migrating our data and applications to inform what that, what a, you know, uh, the next instantiation of our cloud effort is going to be. So, so a couple of things. Uh, num number one, where we are with that. We, we literally shifted from a focus on applications to a, a real uh, institutional transition across the Army to a focus on our data. And in some cases, separating the data uh, from the actual applications. And we had discussions about everything from how are we gonna protect it? Uh, how are we gonna uh, get after the balance between the need to protect our data uh, to the need to defend our networks. And, and the discussion and the feedback General Fogarty and I gave them in the context of the security piece of this, it's not a binary decision. We actually have to do both. So where we are now is more focused on the data than we are on the application. But what the Army did, which was pretty interesting, uh, in November, uh, we actually uh, put out an ex execution order to the entire Army to take a step back and look at all four mission areas, the business mission area, uh, and this is the data in those mission areas, uh, the intelligence mission area, uh, the war fighting mission area, which is a lot you know, germane to what we're talking about now, uh, and the enterprise mission area. And the fundamental premise of this is, listen, so not everything is gonna migrate to a cloud hosting environment. So what's our mechanism going to be to divest of, in this particular case, non-authoritative data sources? So there's a resourcing piece to this, but to bring it forward to the AI and ML discussion, uh, so it makes no sense to put AI and ML tools on top of dirty data. And so what this allowed the Army to do is divest of non-authoritative you know, legacy data sources uh, and so that when you're in uh, that environment and you're leveraging AI and ML, uh, there's a trust aspect to it uh, that we didn't have before. Ultimately, if the user doesn't trust the data, meaning they're getting you know, inaccurate readings, et cetera, et cetera, uh, then you have to ask yourself a hard question about uh, the importance of your effort. And so that's, that's kind of where we are right now. I believe you know that we also took another bold step uh, inside the Army and stood up uh, what's called an Enterprise Cloud Management Office. Well, we uh, did something the Army hadn't done is we actually centralized the oversight of our entire uh, cloud effort and brought in, I went outside the Army and brought in Mr. Paul Puckett uh, from Pivotal, I believe is where, where Paul was, to actually oversee that effort. And so I mentioned uh, the amount of resources that we're going to spend, uh, you know, almost $800 million between now and FY23 uh, on this effort. But I think we are fundamentally in a different place than we were before, uh, looking specifically at the migration effort of our data that's going to be required to really deliver and bring our cloud uh, effort to life.
Okay. All right, plenty to dig out there. We're going to get into the data discussion, which we'll do when we take after this break, but we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the discussion Edge Computing, real-time insights that deliver real results, sponsored by Dell Technologies on Federal News Network. Today, agencies enhance their mission using data created and stored by a class of devices and sensors on the edge of their networks. The edge exists wherever the digital and physical worlds intersect. Here, data is securely generated and processed to create real-time value. With edge computing, Dell Technologies is enabling agencies to transform while driving cost savings, speed to value, and reliability. Edge computing is delivering real-time actions that protect our world. Visit DellTechnologies.com edge. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Edge Computing, real-time insights that deliver real results, sponsored by Dell Technologies on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Kristen Bilhart, the Global Marketing Director for the Edge Solutions Group at Dell Technologies, Zach Goldstein, the Chief Information Officer and Director of High Performance Computing and Communications at NOAA, Mac Townsend, the Technical Director for Architecture and Engineering in the CIO's Office at the Defense Intelligence Agency, and Lieutenant General Bruce Crawford, the CIO G6 for the Army. We were talking about the network, we're talking about IT modernization in the last uh, segment, but I think data has come up several times, but at the same time, this is not just about a data or technology, it's also about the people, and can the people do their work at the edge? And I want to bring Zach in here. You mentioned uh, the story about meteorologists who are working, for instance, with wildfires or are arm-in-arm with smoke jumpers and commanders. Talk about the edge and how the, the employees or, or you know the, the people who are working at the edge are, are both taking advantage of that power, that accessibility. So, so working at the edge uh, is very empowering of the folks at the edge. Uh, to be a meteorologist and have the same tools in the, in the woods that you'd have sitting in your weather forecasting office is, is a very powerful proposition. Um, you know you're connected, you're getting, you're getting the, the same satellite image that uh, from 22,000 miles up that you can get anywhere else you're getting the output of our supercomputers uh, at your fingertips. The, uh, the challenge that, uh, and, and, and so there's a, there's a pull, right? Uh, give me more, uh, give me more uh, capability, give me more uh, artificial intelligence support. Uh, and we talked about some of the networking implications of that, but there's also a cultural and I'm reminded based on the, the comment that Kristen made in the last segment, the need for this, uh, uh, homogeneous fabric so that the network and the system looks the same from wherever you wherever you are achieving that is actually a bit of a challenge because there's a natural affinity between people and computing at the edge it empowers them and it goes along with their idea that I'm the system but each person at the edge is actually uh, the beginning or the end depending upon whether you're doing observations with maybe an unmanned aircraft or whether you're giving forecasts in the forest, you're at the beginning or the end of an entire value chain. And to achieve the kind of uh, seamless network and, and modernized uh, processing that we know we need to make this all work, we're going to have to almost go counterculture because people like being empowered but if you take that so far, then you can't manage the configurations of what you've got. And uh, uh, it's a challenge that, that not only uh, it requires uh, control, but it's actually part of the training that I think we need to give our people uh, in, in so many ways. Uh, how, do you, how do you interact with AI? How do you manage the data that you're stewarding? Uh, and and then on top of that, uh, what's the, the governance structure that we overlay to make sure that uh, even as we're empowering the users, we're making sure that the, the power doesn't lead to suboptimization of the overall value chain. I think Zach brings, brings up a very, couple of very interesting points. Uh, one of this is really about governance. It was also about expectations. Kirsten, do you get a sense from when you talk to agency customers, when you talk to to CIOs and types that they that they understand the expectations and that's a balance that is getting harder to achieve because there's more expectations. 
Sure. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Expectations are, are only growing and, and it points to how technology is a major enabler, but it doesn't cover everything, right? Um, there, there needs to be in organizations as you're bringing um, information down to the front line and you're expecting them to make decisions from it, you want them to make, you know, the right decisions, right? So there's, you know, it brings up um, val the, the values of an organization and how do you, you know, infuse those values into your into your frontline people so they're making the right call with the information that they're receiving. And it's also it's it's judgment, right? And and um, and and helping your team members use use the right judgment to write the make the right decisions. Um, but it's an it's incredibly empowering, right? And and I think that's that's uh, it's it's an opportunity to bring in fresh talent who is, ex they're excited and invigorated by the opportunity to contribute, to the opportunity to bring their, their brain power and their talents to bear and, you know, Help, help mission, help make the world a better place or whatever the organization is doing. So, so technology is the enabler, but you are relying on your human talent to use that technology um, in the way that that best supports the mission in line with the values of the organization. And, and that's both, a, it's both a challenge, but an amazing opportunity. So you kind of have to lean into it, embrace it and invest the time with your teams so that it's going in the direction that you need it to go. Go ahead, Max. I think that, um, that this is this is key, and I know that that Bruce will agree with me on the training and and some of these other things. He probably wants to expand on that, but you know, this is a cultural shift. This is you know we're we're just into we've just basically entered the information age, and now with COVID, it's really accelerating things because people are seeing what they do at home, they should be able to do at work as they're going forward, and so. To, to Kirsten's point, you're bringing in a lot of, you can bring in a lot of new talent and new capability because people are finally getting to play with some of the tools that, that they use on a regular basis. You know, um, for example, we have a lot of devices that are out there now that are, that are using computer vision and, you know, algorithms to help us find shopping places or chart better paths when we're driving to and from locations and things of that nature. All of this stuff is, is out there in sort of this new digital age as, as we're moving forward. And the culture in some of our environments, mine included, within, within these large industrial in, environments has not quite caught up in some ways. But COVID is kind of pushing us there. And I wanted to sort of hand off to Bruce there to see if he wanted to expand on that. All right, Mac, thank you. Uh, I, think, uh, I think it was Kirsten who mentioned it, and it's been brought up a couple of times here. Uh, uh, the, the topic and the big idea of empowering the user. Uh, I believe, uh, number one, uh, the user uh, is the center of gravity for everything that we've talked about today. So what's the most important thing we can do to empower the user? Uh, I think that comes down to training. Uh, and so taking a step back, uh, in the Army, we've got 15,000 IT professionals. In the Cyber Force, there are another four or 5,000 or so. Uh, I believe moving forward, the first thing we got to do is reimagine the workforce of the future. So what does that mean? Uh, quickly here, uh, in the interest of time, uh, I think we got to fundamentally move away from this idea of certifications to a focus on how do we rapidly upskill and reskill the workforce. Uh, again, at, at speed. And so you could take the traditional route and we'll have a need for that to continue to send you know, people away to the two-year school, the three-year school. We absolutely need more of that. But what we found as we look at what we're doing with cloud in the Army, we stood up an artificial intelligence uh, task force. I mentioned the Enterprise Cloud Management Office, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what skills does the workforce really need? And so we came up with this concept uh, and it's a new idea here inside the Army. It's called Quantum Leap. And what Quantum Leap is about is reimagining the workforce of the future and posturing ourselves to focus on rapid upskill and reskill of the workforce uh, to deliver uh, not the skills we're going to need in the Army of 2028, but the skills we're going to need in the next three to five years. Because our initial assessment was about only about 40% of the current workforce, and we've got the probably the best and most talented workforce we've ever had have the resident skills that are gonna be required, not in the next 10 years, 
but in the next three to five years. And so what Quantum Leap takes advantage of is uh, online training. There's been a lot of venture capitalists, uh, corporate America investments in online training. And all I think COVID has done is accelerated uh, those investments in the, I'll call it institutional acceptance of online training is a delivery mechanism uh, for those skills. So more to follow on Quantum Leap, but my point is the best thing that we can do for the workforce to empower them is to ensure that they are trained. Uh, we recognize that, and I know now that they recognize We are just about out of time, but I want to give everyone one last kind of uh, 30 seconds or less. Uh, if there's one mission area or one area of cloud compute, uh, of edge computing that you guys are really going to focus on over the next six months, year, two years, what would it be? Uh, Zach, about 30 seconds, what's the one area that edge is really going to make a difference for, for NOAA? Citizen science and collaborating with uh, the world to improve our ability to protect the American people at the edge. Excellent. Mac, what, what the one area of, of the edge you really focused on? Foundational military intelligence through things like our Mars efforts and various other types of things in trying to tie together all the relevant components of the various different mega data sources that we're getting now and, and drive it down into a, a viable common operational picture as we're going forward. All right, back to the data. General Crawford. It's how edge computing is going to enable this idea of multi-domain operations and the third tenet of multi-domain operations, which is this idea of convergence, which is near real-time access for any sensor, uh, any shooter or weapon system in any command and control mode. Uh, that, that's the, our, our focus uh, in the context of uh, how uh, the importance of edge computing, how it enables MDO. All right, and Kirsten, you get the last word. What should they know? about how to get how to achieve those goals. <laughs> well, well, please remember that Dell Technologies is here to support you, to enable you uh, to leverage the edge to do everything you want to do there. So thank you. All right, very good. That was a great conversation. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. So let me thank my guests. Kirsten Bilhart is the Global Marketing Director for the Edge Solutions Group at Dell Technologies. Zach Goldstein is the Chief Information Officer and the Director of High Performance Computing and Communications at NOAA. Mac Townsend is the Technical Director for Architecture and Engineering in the CIO's office at the Defense Intelligence Agency. And Lieutenant General Bruce Crawford is the Chief Information Officer G6 for the US Army. Thank you all so much for taking the time today. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Edge Computing, Real-Time Insights that Deliver Real Results, sponsored by Dell Technologies on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Dell. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Edge Computing, real-time insights that deliver real results, sponsored by Dell Technologies on Federal News Network.